0: Just after nine o'clock, good morning. This is Bernie Radio 103.9 FM, and coming up at nine thirty is the Sunny melindra Show. But the inspirational hour begins now
1: with God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. The following is sponsored by God and Our
0: This is Bernie Radio.
2: Welcome to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. Join us online at God and Our Subscribe, share, and stay. Now here's your host, Meg Greer.
0: Welcome to God and Our Dogs, where we discover a new perspective by relying on God the way our dogs rely on us. This is Meg Greer, your host, and today is September 11th, 2021. If you think about the timing, about 20 years ago, right now, a plane was crashing in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Let us take a moment and honor the heroism on that flight. joining us today. To give dogs just a small nod, though, I'd like to start by reading a story that I found on the website for the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, and it's written by an artist named Diana Kurs about her Welsh Corgi, and she said, my Welsh Corgi Juno was a licensed therapy dog. For years, we had been visiting nursing homes and troubled children, and she seemed to have a healing power. After 9-11, in thinking about what I could do to best help and be of use, I brought her to my local firehouse known as Big Door, otherwise Ladder 5 Engine 24 Battalion 2, located 227 6th Avenue in Greenwich Village. It was a very sad place at the time, especially because 11 men were lost from that firehouse. From the time of our first visit, I noticed how the men enjoyed seeing Juno and playing with her. One of them called her the wellness dog. I realized that this was a way to bring some comfort and hopeful moments of joy and forgetfulness. I took her there regularly. Miss Kurtz's painting depicts one of the firemen and Juno, and also included in the painting are the actual texts and memorial messages that were left on the outside of the firehouse. It took her many years before she could actually complete the painting, which was in 2011. So we're reminded of how important dogs can be as comforters, and we'll hear more about that at the end of the show. Usually on God and Our Dogs, we talk with people just like you about the lessons they learn from their dogs about God. But today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Today, instead of talking about how we can learn to rely on God the way our dogs rely on us, we are going to talk about September 11th. Our stories will be a little bit different. They're probably a lot of the same kind of stories that you're thinking about right now and wondering about, but we're going to talk about stories of remembrance, sacrifice, and hope. We will also talk about why remembering is so important. Sharing stories of remembrance, sacrifice, and hope today are to my right, Rod Townsend, and Pastor Eric Waters on the left. Rod Townsend is a project manager in the energy industry, a handgun license and safety instructor, Marine, and Iraq War veteran. Eric Waters is the pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Burney and holds a doctorate of ministry in biblical preaching. Rod Townsend and Pastor Waters, thank you for joining us today on God and Our Dogs.
2: Thank you. Appreciate the invitation.
0: I'm so happy you're here to talk about this. It's an important day, 20 years. It's, it's almost hard to believe. And I think when everybody thinks of September 11th, um, we think about maybe where we were, um, that automatically comes to mind. And I, I think it's also important to realize that in 20 years, there have been a lot of Americans that have been born that really didn't experience nine 11. So, um, Rod, how about you? Where were you on September
2: 11th? Uh, I was working for an energy company in downtown Houston and, um, we, uh, we had these large computer monitors, so as news was starting to break, folks were gathering around our desk. And I remember uh, the first plane going in and, and thinking to myself, you know, what kind of knucklehead runs into one of the largest buildings on the planet, right? You know, and uh, shortly thereafter, the second one hit. And it was pretty clear then that, you know, it's time to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and get ready to start getting it on. So downtown Houston, part of a Marine Reserve unit at the time, and immediately after that second plane hit, the phone started ringing for security and, and uh, preparations for the downtown Houston and, and, and medical center, center areas. That was the first domino to fall and it was another 10 years of our career that was totally impacted by, by 9-11, the effects of that and, and the war on terror.
0: So often we just think about the impact that 9-11 had on New York City and on Washington DC and that small community in Pennsylvania. We don't think about the other big cities and the fear that people had and not knowing where are there more planes is our city going to be next what's going to happen
2: all over the country i mean countless countless number of people hitting the street that day uh, not knowing what their next steps are going to be you know do you do you go home to your families and tend to them as a father and as a husband you know do i go home and do that put my family's focus first do i put my commitment to the nation first do i put my love of community and friends first tough decisions to be made but you put duty over anything else we we, we signed up for that and service to our country came first
0: right how about you, Pastor Waters?
1: Yeah, well, I had just been ordained as a, as a uh, Lutheran pastor, and I was in a small little town called Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. We were at a, uh, a retreat for other pastors that had also just been ordained, and the word came in that uh, that a plane had flown into a building. And again, just like Rod, I thought, well, that's that's kind of foolish. How can you possibly hit a building? I remember holding on to my my first daughter, first of uh, first of six children. She was probably three or four months at the time, so you know how it is. I mean, they need to be walked around. And I was walking around, walking around, walking around with her. And uh, then the second building hit. And then, then, then you knew something bad had really gone on. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I can't believe this. I was just, just absolute stunned. And where do you go? What do you do? Uh, and my, I didn't have anything nearly as uh, immediate as Rod did. But I knew at that point that my church work has just changed.
0: Very much so. Yeah, I I was sitting in my office working on a project and... I was listening to the, to the radio and heard about the first plane, and my husband's a, a professional pilot, so I knew all of the, the rules and regulations, and you can't fly near New York City, and I was like, how in the world? Kind of like Rod. How, what kind of idiot would run into a building? And then when the second plane hit, it was like, oh my goodness, that was no accident. What in the world is going on? And uh, later that morning, I was going to a meeting, and we all still went. It was the sense you just wanted to be with other people. And our speaker happened to be our state senator at the time, Senator Wentworth. And he talked about it. We were all like, what do you know? What do you know? Well, of course, he didn't know anything. And it was real interesting because he'd been in Army intelligence. And he said, well, I hope you'll, re- you'll excuse me. We were all grateful that he'd even come. Um, and so we, um, we said, Oh, yeah, if you need to leave, please do. And uh, there was a real sense of lostness and disorientation, I guess you could say. What, what happens next? What do we do next?
1: I remember right after that, the, that week at church, everybody came out of the woodwork. It was like people were hanging out of the rafters uh, for church that Sunday. Uh, and then throughout our community, this was in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, throughout our community, we had weekly prayer services for probably three, four, or five weeks after that. But they quickly tapered off. It's like people's immediate reaction was to come to God and, and look for help, look for protection, look for answers. But then that th- things kind of quickly went back to normal as far as the religious world was concerned.
0: Well, I had um, kind of the same experience on a corporate level, I guess you would say, but on an individual level, I had a little bit different. And it would be interesting to compare notes sometime with you, Rod, because we had a, we had a prayer service, I think, the next day. At our church, and um, one of the ladies who came was the mom of someone who was in the Marine Reserves out of H- the Houston area, and um, I think we prayed together. I want to say at least a year, once a week we would pray for her son because he was deployed to Iraq, and um, there was there was just so much fear of the unknown, and I think in life we have a lot of unknown, but Sometimes it takes something dramatic like that to realize, wow, we just don't have control over much.
2: You know, I remember uh, uh, shortly thereafter you said it diminished quite, quite quickly. Uh, things started going back to normal. But I'll tell you, from from the military's perspective, we saw just that outpouring of support for a good number of years. You know, it caught a lot of us by surprise. Organizations were going to be giving up their their citizen soldiers, their reservists, to go to go fight this thing. We knew it wasn't going to take; it wasn't going to be over with overnight. And I was working for a Fortune one hundred company at the time, and I remember the vice president of, of HR came down and, and met with me, uh, and just said, "Hey, look, I don't know what your plans are in the future. I don't know where you're going. I know you're in the in the reserves, but uh, I just know that this company and the people that make this company up will stand behind you financially and support wise." Pretty amazing to go over there and get paid military pay and and some decent civilian pay at the, it, you know, it was, it was almost fun. We were getting overpaid to fight the enemy actually, but, or at least I was. Uh, but then the ability to, to do something good with that money as well and help out those that, that did, not ha- did not have that benefit. But corporations long and wide, uh, far and wide, uh, came out in support of, of, of their citizen soldiers. And I tell you, I can't, I can't be any more thankful for that than, than anything else that, that came from 9-11. Yeah,
0: in so many ways, I don't think we can pay people enough that protect our freedom in that way. Um, so that's, that's great to hear you had such great support. Well, I'm, I'm here, this is Meg Greer, I'm here with uh, Rod Townsend and Pastor Eric Waters, um, and we're talking um, and remembering 9-11, 2001, and really the, the 20 years after that, too, because the sacrifice that day was really just the beginning. What kind of sacrifices did you see, not only that day, but in the last 20 years?
2: There's the obvious you know those that put their name on a dotted line you know they signed the contract they went and did what they always knew there they may have to do uh, i mean that's that's the obvious and i'm gonna sit here and, and pump that up what i was always impressed with was the support that those that were forward deployed got from home from their churches from their family uh, the support that their families got you know we don't get paid a whole lot to do what we do and we don't get equipped with a whole lot to do what we do we still go over and do a whole lot with it but it's our families that are left back back in the rear that they need the support more than anything else you know i just as long as my wife and kids are good I'm ready you know let's get it but uh it, it's it's those around town those close personal friends those friends you hadn't talked to in 15 20 years that person at the church that you've never taken a moment to go talk to and there they are taking care of your family while, while you're forward deployed it was an absolute outflowing of support and it, and it lasted a good while for us but it, I hate to say that it's kind of water under the bridge now as we hit that 20-year mark and you know those those folks that sacrificed, those folks that paid the act, the, the, the ultimate sacrifice. Both our first responders, our civilians, our, our military folks, from 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 day one on till now, that sacrifice is just as deep now as it was twenty years ago. And of if course. we if we fail to remember that, then we're not doing them very much of a service at all. You know, you want to talk about being patriotic? You remember and you speak the names of those people that have, that have lost loved ones because it's just as real today to their families, their surviving families, as it was the day it happened.
0: It's a gaping hole that never heals. In some ways.
2: No, I agree with that, yeah. It's 20 years later. I've, I've lost 13 Marines in combat, handed that flag to 16 uh, next of kin. It, it doesn't get any easier, period. No matter what, 20 years from now, 20 years ago, 100 years from now. And it's not just our Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. It's, it goes all the way. It's the history of warfare. I don't care what country you're in or, or what, what unit you served in. Loss of a brother and, and, a, and, a, law, and a, a bit of yourself. Um, uh, that, that scab never
1: heals. So were you the uh, the officer, the sergeant?
2: I was a, I was a platoon sergeant, yes, sir. I had yeah. 62 Marines under my command in, in Iraq. Wow. Well, command, as much as a sergeant can. We had officers <laughs> above us. They had a much harder job than I did. It was my job just making sure they weren't shooting each other and in the right place when it came time to move.
0: To me, that seems like maybe a bigger job.
2: Uh, it, it was, I, I enjoyed almost every minute of it. Let's just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I think, too, that we take certain things for granted, you know, we take our law enforcement for granted. We take our firefighters for granted. We take our EMS for granted. And that day, as in really every day, there were so many people that answered the call and they did their job, of course, but they did it because they were committed to doing that job. And, and it wasn't just September 11th, 2001. We still have people that have that same commitment today and uh, are willing to risk it on I-10 trying to help someone in need, let's say. Mm-hmm. Those are ongoing sacrifices.
2: Yeah. I don't really think it's diminished all that much. It, I think the, the, the spotlight on it isn't maybe as focused, but like you said, what, why do people keep doing it? Why do people keep stepping up and seeing that there's little, you know, they may think there's little appreciation for it, that there's not a lot of reward for it. It doesn't stop them from doing it. I mean, there's still a steady, thank God, there's a steady line of people out there that are willing to drive meals on wheels or pull over and help somebody with a, with a broken-down car or serve in our military or serve as a first responder. Gosh, what we're seeing our, our nurses and doctors do right now in the, in, the, in the light of this pandemic is heroic. You know, when the balloon goes up, when they say, hey, you, when you think about World War II, and when the front of that, that landing craft drops, how do you take your first step? Well, that's not diminished today. People are out there doing it. They're out there stepping up when when their when their nation needs them or when their neighbor needs them, and to me that is just as heroic and just as uplifting. God, I love what that says to my daughters.
1: Amen. Yeah. And you know I, I'm amazed too. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember pre nine eleven. I don't remember a whole lot of focus on firemen, policemen, first responders. No. I mean, I always remember people were very grateful for our soldiers, but mm-hmm. but uh, but post nine eleven, it seems like the Spotlight really has has continued to shine on our first responders, firemen, policemen.
2: Right, rightfully so. And I tell you, I'd, I'd, I'd lump our school teachers right in with that. I mean, the things that they're doing for our children. And, 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 and again, with pandemic and everything, it's, uh again, find a way to serve. Find a thing that matters to you and, and don't stop marching. Just put the left foot out first and keep going. You should preach. <laughs> we already have already <laughs> a pretty good one. <laughs>
0: Just uh, so our listeners know, Rod attends St. John where Pastor Water is the uh, pastor. So, I, I do. Yeah. I do.
2: I'm yeah. off to the left where I can't get busted sleeping. I got to stay awake. Oh, I still see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, where is there hope in all of this? I mean, so, so many times I heard, especially around 9-11, why did God let this happen? Where was God that day? Um, How do we, as believers, respond to those kinds of questions?
1: It's a great question. Yeah, and I've I've been thinking about this. I'd say that where was God in that day? Well, he was in the building and he was on the throne. And what I mean by that is we believe in a God who is just, a God who is in control of all things, and that didn't change. He was on the throne as he always has been, Uh, but he was also in the building. We believe in a God who who suffers on behalf of the innocent. We believe in a God who identifies with those who are victims of, of violence and hatred and evil. So I'd say, where was God that day? Well, he was in the building with those who were, with those who were being attacked. He was uh, running up the staircase with those men, those firemen who were putting their lives in the line to go save somebody. He was with them. But he was also on the throne. Uh, and when we look out on our nation, we have to think, why did this happen to us? Uh, and I, I can't help but think that it must have been some sort of wake-up call. Now, I don't have a direct line to God any more than anybody else does. I mean, the only line I have is the Bible, which is a pretty good line. Right? Yeah. But it's not, a, it's not a direct phone call to God, but... But as you look at the history of, of God's people, time and again it's happened. You know, think about the northern kingdom. Uh, this is going back to about 721 B.C. You know, God destroyed the northern kingdom and told the southern kingdom to, to shape up. They didn't quite listen, so 20 years later he came back to the southern kingdom and circled Jerusalem in 701 B.C. The people repented, and the Assyrians turned tail and went away. Uh, but then about 100 and... Oh, well, about a hundred years later or so, same thing happened again. You know, This time God sent the Babylonians, uh, surrounded Jerusalem, took some people off into exile. The people shaped up for a while, but then they didn't shape up all the way. So God sent the Babylonians to take them off into exile. And so I, had, I wonder, what is God trying to tell us? You know, God sent us a clear wake-up call. And in the 20 years since that has happened, has our nation really gotten better? has our nation turned back to God, or have we turned away? And that's the thing that frightens me.
0: It's, I think it's also important to think about who God is. God created us in His image, but He also created us to um, have freedom. And if we have freedom, then that means uh, we make our own decisions. And I don't see God as a divine puppeteer up there. What about you?
2: No, I I agree. God didn't promise us a rose garden. You can read that scripture cover to cover, you're not gonna find any promise of, of, of an easy life or or any sort of, of, of absence of pain or vacuum of, of of hardship. But you'll find many, many times in there where he says, I will be with you and if you seek me, I will see you through it. I appreciate the pastor pastor bringing it to actual biblical terms because it's something that, that my daughters ask me from time to time and I and I never have the right answer for them about How can God let something like this happen? How can hardship come about? It's there because it is a test and it brings you closer to him in the end.
1: What I often say to people is the the easiest thing in the world to prove is that the world is a fallen, broken place. You know, you look around everywhere you go, everywhere you look, every book of history you you ever read, the world as it is, is not as it's supposed to be. And this would be a case in point. So why why did this happen? None of us know, but it should not have happened. Mm -hmm. But the world as it is, it's not as it's supposed to be, and yet that's the way the world is, and yet God so loved that world that he gave his only son. And that's, that's what I often think about, is that the grand evil like this, great evil like this, uh, does not prove that there is no God. Rather, it proves that there is a God, that we know the world is not supposed to be like this. It is like this, and what we see is a world that's, that's broken and, and calling out for justice, a world that's broken and calling out for redemption, a world that's broken and calling out for a savior. And that's what I think an event like this points us to. Is it points us to God, saying, "Lord, we
0: need you." Right. So, where's the hope? What What do we take away uh, from our conversation today, besides sadness? Where Where's the hope in our life?
1: Well, you know, I'm a preacher, so you know what I'm going to say, right? The hope is ultimately in Jesus Christ. That there is no other place that our hope can be grounded or anchored than in Him. Uh, even in our own country, as great as it is, there will come a time when America is uh, America is eclipsed by some other power, some other nation, and And the center of gravity in the world moves on someplace else. That's just the story of history. It always moves around. Uh, But hope in God remains the same. That no matter what happens, no matter how good or how bad it is, our hope has to be grounded in Jesus Christ. That no matter what happens, he can get us through it. He'll see us through it. Even if it means that our world falls apart in a day, God is still there and he'll see us through. And we know that because Jesus died. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will give you life. So That's where our hope is grounded. It's not in the things that we see, but it's in the things that, that God has shown us, that there is life in him beyond this world, life in him beyond evil.
0: Rod, what do you think?
1: I think I should have went first.
2: <laughs> good night of living. Uh, I don't know. Hope is in babies. You know, They're going to make good. They're going to grow up, and they're going to continue to follow God's preachings and, and, and raise their kids to do the same. And Again, it all goes back to Following Jesus Christ and putting our faith in him, and at no point in our history has it ever been real easy for the folks going through it. But the easiest part is when they have found that faith and realized how strong that faith is and put it all in front of him, and it's all been swept away. I mean, let's look at it. Come on, you think you're having a bad time in life? I mean, Jesus had the ultimate gip. He didn't deserve it. Not a bit. That's right? right. But when, he said, and when 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 God said it's time, he He allowed himself to be put up on that cross for us. You think you got it going? If you think your life's going pretty bad, uh, he's, he's one-upped you. All right. And turn to him and he'll make sure that, that you're taken care of. Yeah. Turn to, to those in your life that, that are that intermediary, or your pastors, or those that are your spiritual leaders, or just get down on one knee and just reach out. He'll be there. He always has been. He's not ever going away. He's always been there and he's going to eventually bring us closer to him as well.
0: Right. Well, we've been here to remember the stories, to remember the sacrifice and to remember that we need to continue to have hope. That there's always a reason for hope and that hope is in our lord jesus christ and uh you're right all we have to do is ask right rod and pastor waters let's also bring another message of hope in today rod as you know uh, the vfw in texas is very supportive of service dogs for veterans in fact they have a special program through their foundation in partnership with the united states Veterans Service Dogs, and they are now training and placing dogs with veterans to help them mitigate the effects of PTSD, mobility, and hearing complications from serving our country. And I know our listeners will be very moved by that. And if there's uh, someone out there who would like to either apply for a service dog or support the effort of the Texas VFW to provide service dogs and training, you can go to the Texas VFW website and under their foundation tab, you can click there and learn more about their project. That's the Texas VFW website for more information about their service dog project. So we've been here with Rod Townsend and Pastor Eric Waters of St. John Lutheran Church. And it's been a little bit different day here on God and Our Dogs. But I, I have something a little bit dog related that I'd, I'd like to close the show with. And that is I have a thought to ponder. And yes, you're right. It's P-A-W-N-D-E-R. Using the words hope, we have hope. That could seem empty because, you know, it's easy to say those words, but how do you actually do that? Where do we start? Um, And we've talked about hope today through Jesus Christ, but where do we go from there? Well, for me, it starts with gratitude and thanksgiving, giving appreciation to God uh, and to those who have sacrificed on behalf. So here is the thought to ponder make sacrifices on your behalf? Not only God, but people in our everyday lives, veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, family members, friends, perhaps a complete stranger who shows you kindness. How can you give thanks and appreciation? How will that gratitude give you hope for tomorrow? That's my thought for you to ponder today. So this is Meg Greer and you've been listening to God and Our Dogs. And as always, you can go to our website for a treat and enter to win one of the $100 Amazon gift cards. And those winners will be announced at the end of each month. And I appreciate all of you listening and joining us today on God and Our Dogs. You can listen again and I hope you do because even though it's September 11th, there's always a reason to remember. There's always a reason to give thanks and to have hope. And I think that is an enduring message that we've had today. So you can find us on your favorite podcast site. Uh, If you have a story about your dog, you can always send that to me at stories at godinourdogs.com. And we look forward to you joining us again next week for God and Our Dogs, for some new perspective for relying on God, the way, Our dogs rely on us.